I'm Denise Crosby, and you're listening to the Mean Joe Grizzly Podcast. Hey, it's Tom Matthews from Return of Living Dead, and Friday the 13th, Part 6, to name a few, and you're listening to the Mean Joe Grizzly Podcast. Enjoy. Hey guys, Tyler Main here, and you're listening to the Mean Joe Grizzly Podcast. Hi, I'm John Russo, screenwriter of Night of the Living Dead. Welcome to the Mean Joe Grizzly Podcast. Enjoy. Let me introduce myself. I'm Joe Grizzly, bitch. What up, Mean Militia? I am Mean Joe Grizzly, and when I'm not trying to save my childhood best friend from an evil demon, running for my life from invading aliens, bringing my brother back to life, or trading intellectual words with Jigsaw himself, I'm in the Grizzly Cave, watching movies, reading comics, listening to metal, and of course, crushing beers. And we are going to be taking a break from the Bruise and Review series that we are currently in the middle of and bring y'all another fatal four-way of reviews to kick off the spooky season. Yes, the spooky season is upon us. The best time of the year, in my opinion. And I'm sure it is yours as well. But before we get started, I want y'all to take a second and follow the show on all social media platforms as well as joining my Meme Militia on the show's official Facebook group by clicking the links down in the episode description. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the show on whatever platform y'all listen on. By doing this, y'all support the show and help me continue to talk to y'all about all forms of badassery. So let's get started with the first movie on our list. It lives inside. This is Grizzly Grade Reviews. So, It Lives Inside is written and directed by Bishel Dutta, and it is a story about Sam, a high schooler with Indian roots who has almost completely assimilated into American culture, even though her mother insists that she maintains her heritage and their traditions. But that's not what Sam desires. She desires popularity and to, quote, just be normal and will forsake anything her mother wants to get it. Uh, she even socially shuns her childhood best friend Tamara, but little does Sam know that the tradition, family, and heritage is the only thing that will save her after she is approached by Tamara for help. Tamara has not only been acting strange and standoffish, but she's also been carrying around this large black jar with her everywhere. And she claims that there is a monster inside the jar. A supernatural entity from their childhood stories called, and I am going to butcher this to death, a Pishach. <laughs> Best I can do, Pishach is what I, how I think it sounds. <laughs> but Sam is still ever resistant to her culture and is also trying to maintain her image. And in a fit of frustration, she knocks the jar out of Tamara's hands, smashing it and unleashing this demon. 
and thus setting Sam on this terrifying journey to save herself and the people that she loves. And this movie was, to me, it was very surprising. But let's get to the positives and I'll elaborate more. So starting off with the positives, uh, the performances are pretty lights out. Uh, Sam, played by Megan Sheary, Tamara, played by Mohana Kirsten, and her mother, I'm going to butcher this name too, Pierna, played by Nero Bijwa. All, all of their performances were top-notch. They were great. I completely buy into them being part of that community and their family and everything like they they sell it very well i especially the relationship between sam and her mother pierna they they really have a good dynamic there i completely believe that she is being completely rebellious to her mother and her mother is desperately trying to hold on to some kind of semblance from their homeland instead of just completely throwing away all of their traditions i it it's very it's a very believable performance and i think they all did very well and tamara does a fantastic job of being this completely terrified and sleep deprived teenager that is just desperately trying to She's just trying to get by and trying to protect everyone and, and herself from this dangerous creature that's locked inside of this jar. And speaking of the creature, the uh, the Pishash is a... It's pretty cool. Uh, it's got a really cool design when you can see it, and I'll elaborate more on that later. Uh, the origins and the premise of it is really cool. It's... it's the, the whole premise behind this monster is it is a demon that feeds on negativity and then eventually as soon as it's it's gotten its fill it consumes the person that it is latched onto and then it drags them down to hell or down to the underworld or whatnot to consume its soul and it just feeds off of negative energy constantly and its personality is it, it has this personality stuff and it's just mindless monster it's very sinister in its presence it just isn't just this beast it it toys with its victims and it relishes in their pain and in their suffering uh the scares for a pg-13 movie they're not bad I think I think that it's got some genuinely good scares, especially especially since you really don't get to see the monster all that often. I, I've, I'm completely convinced that these actors with their performances, they are actually terrified. And the kills weren't bad. They weren't bad at all. They were fairly tame, but they're kind of it kind of plays into what I was saying about the the monster being very sinister there's it, it likes to choke its victims and stuff like that it likes to get it likes to get personal when it kills its victims uh going back to the scares there is a dream sequence in this movie that was very very 
reminiscent of scenes from the ring and the grudge very very like out in open callbacks to those movies uh that dream sequence is creepy as fuck <laughs> and it is very effective um it's got a nice little soundtrack to it it's got some sense here and there and just a good little atmospheric soundtrack i i enjoyed that uh the story is very satisfying and it has what a lot of movies don't have nowadays a beginning middle and an end and a satisfying it's a it's it's a satisfying conclusion as well uh give giving us this pretty unique take on people who are from a, from different countries coming here and assimilating into american culture and how they can lose their their roots and their heritage and kind of lose their way trying to assimilate into the, our country and i'm sure it's like that in other countries as well and i felt like that the the message behind that not not just and I, I don't feel like it was just aimed towards you know immigrants or migrants or anything like that i felt like it was the clear message was is respect and cherish and hold on to tradition family and friends and i did enjoy that aspect of it uh, this movie is very reminiscent of Smile. It's just PG-13. Uh, it takes cues from, just like with Smile, it takes cues from The Ring and The Grudge and other early 2000s horror films. And I feel like that it does take the best of those. And to me, that's something I wish that those, I wish that those movies would have done some of the right things that this movie and smile did but it's not perfect and they do make some mistakes so moving on to the negatives uh they don't show enough in the fucking monster i, I don't really I, I i guess it must have been a budgetary thing but the monster is invisible for most of the movie and that's that's kind of disappointing to me because when you do actually get to see the monster it is cool looking i do it i do think it's designed it's cool i just don't understand why the hell we couldn't see it more than what we did but i digress with that because i can go on and on with that because when you see the monster he's actually practical he, he at least he appears to be practical he doesn't look like he's cgi but when you do get to see the monster he is cool the problem is, is you just don't get to see him enough uh it does have some pacing issues in the middle where it feels like it slows way down after the the uh the pashish is 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 unleashed and i know i'm butchering that name guys i'm sorry for it. any of my listeners that are from india or who have indian and hindi heritage I'm very sorry because <laughs> I know I'm butchering that name. I'm just a guy from I'm just a guy from the south, and uh, and, and I got a hick accent, and it's really hard to pronounce those words sometimes. <laughs> but you know, this this movie also suffers from the PG-13 curse as it lacks this gut punch that violence and gore from rated R films allow, and. It's not as big of a transgression, but it's definitely felt here that it could have been a lot scarier and the states could have felt a lot higher if there was a little more violence and a little more, a little more 
like uh, to it, if that makes any sense. But much like Smile, It Lives Inside takes the best traits from the early 2000s J-Horror remakes, like The Ring and The Grudge, but it's focused through like an Indian folk horror lens. And the solid writing paired with the great performances by Megan Sherry, Neera Bijwa, and Mohana Kirsten, and the good scares are only held back by slight pacing issues, the mostly absent monster, and the limitations of PG-13. But with all that being said, It Lives Inside gets a 3.5 out of 5, and is grizzly grade guaranteed. It should still be in theaters, um, but it's definitely going to be streaming soon. Check it out, especially if you like Smile and other movies like The Ring or The Grudge. It's a good little, good little monster movie. But now let's move on to No One Will Save You. So No One Will Save You is directed by Brian Duffield, which is... The same guy that did Spontaneous, and he also wrote Love and Monsters, Underwater, The Babysitter, which I really like, and he's done a couple of things in TV here and there, but he wrote and directed this movie, and he did a phenomenal job. Uh, no One Is Safe is about Bryn, a girl who is isolated from everybody in her town. She legitimately lives out on the outskirts of this town by herself in this big, huge house, like this country-style like house, plantation-style house. And you get the feeling throughout the movie when she goes into town, she's kind of almost hiding from everybody. And everyone kind of just stops and looks at her and kind of shuns her, no one speaks to her. She's very reluctant to walk up to anyone and she keeps avoiding the chief of police and his supposed wife. She will go nowhere near them. And she only goes into town to seemingly visit a couple of graves at the graveyard. So you find out throughout the story, and I'm gonna keep this spoiler free, that she is grieving. Uh, not only her mother's death, but her best friend's death. And you don't find out until the end what happened to her best friend, but she's consistently sitting down in her house by herself and writing these letters to her best friend, apologizing, saying she is so sorry, this, that, and the other. And she lives this very isolated life just like I said before she's like a seamstress or something or another where she like you know she knits stuff uh, and she is obsessed with like making the this model of this town and doing all this little crafty stuff that she does and she kind of dances with herself and stuff like that she's very much alone and all of that changes when one night she seemingly has an intruder that breaks into the house and when she goes down to investigate she realizes that the intruder is not human and it is an alien and she is smack dab in the middle of an alien invasion and 
I really enjoyed this movie. But let's get to the positives first. So what I liked about this movie was first and foremost the performance by Caitlin Deaver as as Brian is great. She has hardly any dialogue in this movie. Like there this movie this movie I don't believe has a complete sentence spoken the entire time. It's all based off of her her performance of zero dialogue and she absolutely kills it. She portrays all the emotions that she needs to portray and just does a phenomenal job. Uh, the aliens. Okay, so for those of you who are familiar with aliens and their mythology and all that, and I'm using the word mythology for lack of a better word, there's different types of aliens. But the ones that you see most commonly used as when it, when realistic aliens are, quote, depicted as realistic are these aliens known as greys. They're the gray humanoid aliens with the big black eyes. Uh, that's what these aliens are. Now, normally, like I said, in movies and other forms of media and books and stuff, they these aliens just pick you up, they do experiments on you, and they drop you off. Or like on South Park, they pick you up, they give you anal probe, and they drop you off and leave you about your business. These greys do not do that. They are hostile and they are seemingly different st different types of, of greys and they have different abilities. The first grey she kind of runs into has obvious telekinesis and stuff like that. And there's different, they come in a variety of shapes and sizes that are effective in their own way. I, I thought that that was a really interesting way to use that this specific type of alien that usually is not known for being hostile in in its own lore uh the story and the the story and the the feeling of isolation and really the 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 journey to seek forgiveness and redemption and to just not really be left alone but to be forgiven and to be treated normally instead of having something that happened in your past be completely hovered over your head is it, it kind of hits home a little bit because everybody in their life has made mistakes and some of us have made horrible mistakes no matter if it was due to addiction due to a, a personality flaw that you had or just a simple act that turned out and went to the tragic route. People make mistakes. And although not everybody can be forgiven and not everybody can find forgiveness or even deserves forgiveness, some people do. And that's the... That that was a beautiful part of this story. This this story is really, this story really knows how to how to speak to its audience and to really grab the audience by its heartstrings and 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 tell a really captivating story, along with giving us some pretty cool alien invasion creature effects and stuff. I enjoyed I enjoyed the the amount of the amount of like eeriness that this that this 
movie gave off because again grays are normally not scary but the whole situation of her being in this town who already isolates her and then out of nowhere not everybody she knows is kind of under alien control and stuff like that and they're trying to take over her too and her fighting back and trying to survive it was all just very it was all very well done but it wasn't perfect and I don't have many gripes with this because I really enjoyed this. The CGI is a little spotty at times, uh, but overall is done very well. I think that unfortunately there is a little bit of repetitiveness in this movie. Uh, there's a few times where you know they're in the house, they're out of the house, they're in the woods, they're back at the house, they're circling around. It's just like there's a point where she is literally going in circles. And that, that little bit of repetitiveness was a little bit distracting and very obvious the whole time. But I don't really have any other gripes about this. I guess the only other thing that I could say that it would have made it better was is a little bit more disposition on, on the aliens invading, as in not from the aliens' perspective, but like little things here and there sprinkled in like strange disappearances crop circles blah 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 uh we didn't really need that but it wouldn't have hurt a little bit and if it was in there i didn't notice it uh so if i missed that that's on me but to me no one will save you gives us a great alien invasion film with a with solid creature effects an intriguing story and a phenomenal performance by caitlin deaver and yeah, there is some some spotty CGI at times, and there is some repetitiveness, but ultimately it delivers a great experience with a heartfelt journey of seeking redemption and forgiveness from past transgressions and past mistakes. And with all that being said, No One Will Save You gets a four out of five and is absolutely grizzly grade guaranteed uh this is streaming now on hulu please go watch it even if aliens aren't your thing this movie's pretty solid go check it out now on to the angry black girl and her monster so the angry black girl and her monster is a different take on mary shelley's frankenstein it's about a young black girl named vicaria who lives in this gang controlled neighborhood and she has over the years slowly watched her family be destroyed by these gangs whether it be whatever gang a or gang b Everyone in her community and her family has been caught in the crossfire of this of these gangs. She lost her mother at a young age to gang violence, and then she lost her older brother to gang violence. And now she is slowly watching her father wither away into a husk from drug abuse that he is getting from these gangs. So literally this girl's life has been completely destroyed by gangs and her react her way of coping is is dealing with death 
and wanting to cure death. Now, Vicaria is this prodigy or very highly intelligent girl, or so we are led to believe. And she is trying to cure death. And what she essentially begins doing, starting with her older brother when he was shot, is stealing her, stealing these bodies, taking these bodies to an undisclosed area of this neighborhood, which is kind of like an old, it looks like an old warehouse or old rec, recreational facility or something like that. But she somehow has the key to this and somehow has access to it and no one ever goes in there. And she begins to steal these bodies of these people who are killed in these gang gang wars or the shootouts. And the first one she takes is her brothers. And she eventually does experiments on him. She replaces parts of his body that have been damaged by the by the gunshots that he he sustained during during his his death and she essentially patchworks him back together with different body parts and stuff like that and to the point that she is she is taking so many bodies that there's actually someone out there actually looking for somebody called the body snatcher it's very interesting how she's running around here doing this and they think it's some serial killer, but it's really just her taking these bodies. And she is still trying to figure out how to resurrect her brother or bring her brother back to life. And she eventually succeeds when she realizes that an electric current through the body can bring him back. And she ends up bringing him back and she's she very soon realizes that just like in pet cemetery sometimes dead is better and i i enjoyed this movie for what it was uh the one thing that i really enjoyed about it and was really shocked me was the branding of this movie uh this movie was made by crypt tv for those of you that don't know what crypt tv is crypt tv is this youtube channel that's pretty much dead now that kind of has its own horror universe, especially these pretty cool original creations of these monsters. Like it, there's a there's a, a cult called the Sunny Family Cult. There's this monster called the Look See. I mean, there there is they have a bunch of cool short independent films that all seemingly tie together at some point. They have creepypasta. It's it's a it, it was a horror fans like breeding ground. It was a great place to go and get original content and it was very interesting. For some reason they just quit putting out content on the YouTube channel and I do see them getting deals with like they had a deal with with Facebook to bring out this mini series on one of their creations called the Birch which is like this this tree monster is really cool and then they had a i guess you call it a mini series or a limited series on peacock about the girl in the woods and then i see this which is has their label on it so 
they're apparently still alive. They just don't do anything on their YouTube channel anymore. So Crypt TV, if for some reason you stumble upon my lonely po podcast, which you probably won't, uh, please make more content. <laughs> I really enjoyed your channel, but I digress. Uh, as far as the performances go, um, there's not really many standouts here. Uh, Layla DeLone Hayes as Vicaria does a great job, but all the other performances are just kind of there. Uh, there's nobody like winning any horror Oscars here or anything like that, but Hayes does a very good job as Vicaria. Uh, you you kind of you kind of see how she is trying to portray like her take on Victor Frankenstein, even with the play on play on words with her name being Vicaria. She definitely has the same drive and arrogance that the original Victor Frankenstein had. Um, at least that's how I see it. Uh, the you have to have arrogance to play God and try to bring someone back to life. And there are times where she's kind of, kind of condescending to people, and even there are even times where she's she gets very angry when someone kind of questions her questions her knowledge or questions her method of anything so I felt like she was she did a very good job of that like I said before the rest of the characters they're kind of just there uh, to either fill in story gaps or give us some kind of weight to the situation but for the most part they're they're nothing to write home about uh, the monster uh, the monster is Again, the monster's not really anything to write home about. You don't really get to see his face. Um, but there are times where he is effective in that Frankenstein's monster role. And one thing I thought that was pretty cool is is wherever, wherever he touches, and I can't remember if this is part of the original story or not, but wherever he touches, the skin kind of looks like it burns or it becomes necrotic so it like it looks rotten or it looks burned wherever he touches and it's not necessarily where he touches like if he grabs if he just touches you you start burning or anything like that it's like whatever he touches out of rage or violence or anything of anything that has a negative emotional reaction wherever he touches burns or rots not saying that this is some kind of superpower that they give him or this was even intent the the intent of the creator to have this happen whenever he touched people but when he strangles somebody or grabs for instance there's one part where he grabs a vicaria on the arm and she has this big huge handprint that wraps around her entire forearm that looks like a burned in handprint i don't know if that was the creator's intention but I like it. I think it's pretty cool. As far as like the violence that we do get to see, it's nothing really to write home about, but it's it's fairly solid for what they're trying to do here. Uh, but the thing that the one thing that I think that this that this movie should pride itself on is the emotional aspect in the 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 theme of grief and how you, 
people will do anything to bring their loved ones back it, it doesn't matter what links they have to go to they will do what they have to if they have a chance of bringing their loved ones back to life and again just like in pet cemetery sometimes death is better and i think that this this movie essentially gives us a perfect example of that message uh and speaking of that message too um to to wrap back around to the beginning when i was talking about performances and really with the entire just the entire narrative together uh vicaria is she's the villain of the story because she's just relentless in her mission and what she does ultimately gets people killed and I thought that was a pretty strong point of this movie that we have this very sympathetic character that we we want to feel for that we want to root for and she doesn't go completely mad scientist villain but she comes very very close and I thought that that was I thought that was a pretty good little spin as well but the movie is the movie isn't perfect um, it does have some problems. Most movies aren't perfect. And this one has a couple of problems. One being, I just, I kind of wanted to see more of the monster. His his face is kind of shrouded in, with a, it, in a hoodie, so you can't really see him. Uh, I wanted, I, I wanted more... I guess explanation on how the hell this this little this this teenage girl is has the know-how to do these things. I mean, I don't need her. I don't need to be told that you know some outlandish superhero explanation or anything. But some explanation other than she's stealing body parts and just messing with them. I mean, there's got to be. I, I need to. I need something and. I feel like it was kind of just hand wavy like she's real smart and she's stealing body parts and she's going to build a human and you know she's going to bring her brother back I just that didn't really do anything for me it wasn't a huge transgression I just needed a little bit more from there uh, I feel like the movie I feel like the movie's it's going to sound crazy I feel like it drags and it's and it's and it's kind of too long. Uh, this movie, to me, very much, very much belongs in the same format as Crypt TV's YouTube videos, where they're in their own little universe. And this would have been a, this would have been better as like a single episode of like a TV show. In fact, I'm gonna go ahead and pitch that Crypt TV. You need to just make a anthology TV show like Tales from the Crypt, and have these creations you have come to life in there and you can make reoccurring reoccurring stories or stories with reoccurring characters in them but this would have been better as like an hour long tv episode i felt like some of the some of the the production value i should say i guess i guess it's what you would call it um there is a point where there's they're in this room with a bunch of dead bodies and it's not convincing that they're dead bodies they're just people laying in a bunch of debris there's like 
there's like blood all over like the floor and stuff, but no like blood on the people. I, I find I kind of find that a little lazy, and I felt like some of the stuff in this movie was just lazily done, and it could have been a lot better. I mean, I know that this sounds very nitpicky. Uh, I did enjoy this movie. I just I just wanted more out of it. But that that was one of the things that was I noticed. Like, there's like literally a room full of dead bodies, and it's like, damn, what happened? To all of them? He just snapped all of them's neck because there's there's like hardly any blood anywhere. There's he he's mutilating all these other all of these other victims. Why isn't there blood all over the walls and stuff, or all over the uh, the actual body? Why isn't there blood on it? Just stuff like that. There was a few things that that was like that in this movie but overall the angry black girl and her monster is it's a new take on frankenstein that i i enjoyed well enough uh i i do feel like that that Hayes is a standout performance in this movie and i i like the parallels between her and the original victor frankenstein i felt like they did a good job of giving us this this up-to-date parallel of that character uh i think the monster is a, is is decent for the most part um and a certain traits about the monster is pretty cool to me but i we just didn't get enough of the monster as far as screen time and as far as just seeing what the monster actually looks like I would have loved to have seen like a patchwork face or something like that. That would have been pretty cool, but we didn't get that. And there's a couple of pacing issues where the movie just seems like it's going on too long and it would have been better in a TV show format as a single standalone episode of a TV show or something like that. But with that being said, the angry black girl and her monster gets a three and a half out of five and is grizzly grade guaranteed it's pretty decent watch uh you can find this on shutter right now uh if you it's i recommend it if you it's particularly if you if you like the story of frankenstein i would definitely watch it uh just temper your expectations but nevertheless check it out it's pretty good and now on to the main event of our fatal four-way of reviews, Saw X. So Saw X is, as the title suggests, the 10th movie in this franchise. And it's directed and edited by the same guy who edited and directed most of the Saw movies, Kevin Grutert. And I'm just want to give you a little brief, brief summary of my, um, of my relationship with this franchise. So I don't hate this franchise. Uh, I don't even dislike it, but when Saul first released back in the early two thousands, that first film blew me and my friends away. We went and seen this movie because it just looked like a creepy, scary movie. It reminded me of Seven, so I was like, I definitely want to go see this. And we were blown away. We loved it. And then the second movie came out, same thing. Thought it was great. 
third movie come out it's great and they fucking kill off jigsaw and it's like how in the fuck are they going to continue this franchise and they continued but they did quite possibly the worst thing that they could have done which is have it just focused on the kills and have this insanely convoluted and crazy piecemeal story that made no fucking sense i i have watched countless videos and read countless articles explaining the saw timeline and plot and i still don't understand it and that's not good and that's always been my biggest problem with the movie and then pretty much later on in the franchise the the kills became like a cgi fest and when it comes to kills i feel like that cgi is very inferior everybody knows my thoughts on that if you've listened to the show before but long story short this this franchise is just okay for me it started out very promising and then it just fell off after the third film and I, it just never recovered in my opinion spiral was okay but it's just not the direction that anybody wanted to go in at the time i think spiral wasn't successful because it was talking about real world issues with a very heavy hand and at the time i think when people were going to see movies or whatever forms of media they were trying to use as an escape from reality they just couldn't get away from the real world and that's a very real situation and a very real issue that some people have with films i don't think people were ready for the message that spiral was was putting out there so i didn't think it was bad at all but it just wasn't what people wanted so they decided to bring back tobin bell and shawnee smith and bring in this concept of a direct sequel from the first one and it takes place between the first one and the second movie so pretty much it's a requel it's, it's so saw is now cashing in on the requel trend and uh i had no expectations for this movie guys i was like i, I just i don't I don't care about this movie. I don't want to. I don't want to see this movie. I don't want to have nothing to do with this this movie because it just it's just gonna be more bullshit. I watch this movie when it comes out on streaming. There's just no reason for me to go see it, and I went and seen it because I heard so much buzz about how good it was, and I'd be damned if this movie wasn't great. <laughs> the tenth movie in the Saw franchise is quite possibly quite possibly the best sequel it's the, it might be the best sequel it might be the best it might be the best movie in a franchise I don't know if I go that far that first one's great you can't beat the original but essentially this story is we're reintroduced to Jigsaw he's he's going to the call just to talk about the talk about his cancer uh, he gives him months to live uh, no chance of cure just like from the story that we we know all know and love and he gets told about this this experimental procedure that's off-label and not fda approved so you'd have to travel to get, get it done and with this group of people and he sees that one of his colleagues actually had to had this procedure done it's like a it's a combination of a surgical procedure and some and a, a drug like combination or cocktail that they give you and he said that it quote cured his 
and cured his one of his friends in one of these little coping groups that he went to. So he ends up going to Mexico, reaching out to these people, going to Mexico, supposedly getting this getting this surgery and taking these drugs. And then he goes back for a follow-up so many months later and they tell him that the, the tumor's still there, that he still has cancer. And of all the people that, that these people had to mess with, they fucked with Jigsaw. And I know I've heard of I've heard a bunch of people say that. And it's even a quote in the movie. Of all the people we fucked with, we fucked with Jigsaw. And I thought that was pretty damn awesome. And that just sets up this roller coaster ride of, of him getting his revenge. And that of course leads to him capturing these people and placing them in death traps. And uh yeah, pretty much the stuff that you see in the trailers. But that's not the whole movie and that's not the that that's not not the the good parts are not in the trailer like most movies are nowadays. This movie's this movie's different from the rest of the franchise. So let's get to the positives. Uh Tobin Bell coming back. He's iconic. Um I he he's definitely if we were doing a modern Mount Rushmore of horror villains, he's definitely on it. Um, I've never been I've never been a humongous fan of Jigsaw as a villain because I always felt like he was kind of an asshole. And I know I know what y'all are saying. Uh, oh man, uh, all all serial killers and all all horror villains are assholes. Yeah, but not all of them are trying to dress up their violence and their crimes and all their all of their bullshit with I'm trying to make society better and, and trying to help these people live more fulfilled lives and stuff like that. No, you just wanted to kill people. And and that's that's the thing about Jigsaw that always bugged me was him being uh self righteous, his self righteous mission. But this movie made me change change my opinion on him a little bit uh, because for the first time in this entire damn franchise we get true character to development with Jigsaw and John Kramer where you you see him as the he's the protagonist he is not the villain he is the protagonist the other people are the villains and I really enjoyed that and I thought that was such a breath of fresh air to actually see see this guy go through the stuff he was going through and to actually see him to actually see him struggle with his with his mortality and to see him get hopeful when there's supposedly a treatment and to see him go the links and to do what he needed to do to to live only for that to get snatched away from him by these assholes that were essentially just robbing people blind and performing these backwood surgeries on them. I, 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 I really like that. And that's something that this, it, it, it's, I've seen another, another uh, content creator say this and it really hit home for me. Uh, Jigsaw's a lot like Pinhead. He's never the center point of his movie. So when they finally make a movie where he is the center point of the movie and he's getting developed 
instead of him just being the background overlord villain that you barely see and it has hardly any screen time I love that that this movie corrected that is it too little too late that's yet to be seen but they knocked it out of the park in this movie as far as the character development goes uh, they even got a little even with the, the the character of Amanda they did a good job of of like bringing her back now she she looks she she looks a lot older than the age she is supposed to be portraying I'm not saying I'm not saying anything bad about Shawnee Smith uh, she looks great uh, but she's supposed to be portraying a late teens to 20s year old female and she definitely does not look that and it did not help her that they gave her the worst fucking wig ever <laughs> it's it's pretty it's pretty crazy this wig that they got her on they tried to they tried their best to emulate the wig from from saw 2 but they just couldn't pull it off and it's like glaring the whole time you see her you see her and you can't stop looking at her wig <laughs> and i've heard a lot of people talk about that as well uh, but it was good to see her we actually get to see her be a lot more empathetic and sympathetic as a character with there's one character in particular that's in these traps that wrong jigsaw and she is she's an addict she's a drug addict and amanda really sympathizes with her and tries to help her and spoiler alert the girl does not make it and when she does not make it when she does not make it uh it really bothers Amanda. It really, it really affects her, and you see that that effect that it has on her. And I thought that was a that was pretty good for her too, because most of the movies that she's in, when she's not acting like a victim to try to trick people, uh, she comes off as this very ruthless and driven character. That only person she cares about is Jigsaw. She doesn't give a shit about anybody else. And to see her actually sympathize with somebody who's in a similar situation to her, that was pretty good too. Uh, as far as the other performances, I'd probably have to say that, uh, that and I'm going to butcher this, this poor woman's name, uh, Savoy McCody Ludd, who played Dr. Cecilia Peterson, she was a solid, solid villain. Uh, is she like mustache twirly or Dr. Doom like villain? No, but as far as just being a complete piece of shit and vile human being, she she is up there and I could not wait for that bitch to die. Uh, very effective in, in her performance. She definitely sold that. As far as the other performances go, uh, again there's not a there's not even bad performances i think that she i think that they all did well and they were very convincing in the roles that they were all individually playing uh as far as like the the pacing of the movie goes uh it was paced pretty well i didn't i never felt like the movie drug and i and i feel like the runtime of 120 minutes was satisfying i didn't think it was too long or or too short so they 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 nailed that one and obviously, I've had a problem with run times in movies for a while now. Some movies are just too damn long. But let's get to what we all go see Saw movies for, and that is The Kills. Uh, 
are these the goriest, nastiest, gnarliest kills in the franchise like everyone is saying they are? No, the hell they are not. And I will fight somebody out down that hill. They are not the most gory or most graphic kills of this franchise. We have seen much gorier, much graphic kills in previous Saw films. But I do think that these are very well done and very, some of them are very unique. And one in particular is the one that you can see on all the posters everywhere. And it's this contraption that's on the face of this guy that has these tubes that are coming out of the eye sockets. Uh, that machine is terrifying. I don't know the name of the machine, but it essentially has the, the, the victim in this chair with this contraption on their head and it has all their hand in this glove-like thing that has all their fingers hooked up to these individual wires and then a button on the opposite hand for them to push and they have to push it and break their fingers in order to not die from this machine and the death from this machine is essentially it's a vacuum and it just vacuums your eyes and your brain out of your skull. And it's disgusting and it's terrifying. <laughs> it's like the last machine that I want to get hooked up to. But all the, all the traps in this movie were very well done. Very well done. As far as them being like overly unique and everything, uh, eh, I, don't, I don't think that they were like just these super unique traps they had there was a couple like i said the, the one that you see on the poster is very unique but like they're not reinventing the wheel in traps in this movie they were just well done and they served their purpose and i got generally nauseated seeing them work <laughs> just like everybody else did that goes and sees these movies uh, i felt like the i felt like the pacing of the movie was was very well done uh, 120 minutes is is just right for this movie. I never felt like the movie drug. I felt like it was just paced pretty properly. But even though this was pretty good and had a lot of positives, there are some negatives that I have to get into. And some of them are, man, most of them are nitpicky. So my first negative is, is the, the camera work. Now, whatever filter they use was the same filter that they used. at least it looked like to me that they used in the previous movies from the early 2000s like the first three movies it kind of had this bluish tint to it and it didn't always work for me now it could have been the theater that i was in but it looked grainy and very unfocused and shitty at times and it did affect my viewing um did it ruin my entire experience? No, but I can say as the movie went on, it was still kind of grainy the whole time. Now I can tell the difference between a desired effect in camera work and something that they just got sloppy on and they tried to throw something together. And this feels like they just said, oh, we're just gonna use the same filter in the first three movies to kind of capture that nostalgia for people. and. They just threw it in there. That's how it felt for me. I've seen some people praising the camera work, 
again it could have been my theater i actually need to watch it again to see if it was just my theater i've never had any any viewing problems with my theater i've had some sound issues but never any viewing problems in my theater and this would be the first one in like hundreds of movies i've seen so but i didn't really care for that that choice that they made um it says that this fits between the first and the second film and that makes no fucking sense if you go by the first and the second film other than the fact that Jigsaw is alive and he's not bedridden because before the first movie ever fucking begins he knows he has cancer he is actively in treatment for cancer at least that's how I remember it I don't remember this movie I don't remember this movie that's the whole premise of why he goes on his crusade to make people appreciate life more because he gets diagnosed with uncurable cancer so that kind of that kind of was made me just look and scratch my head because I just didn't see it I didn't see him being it, this being between the first and the second movie other than Amanda's shitty wig <laughs> Which which brings me brings me to my um brings me to my next point. Amanda's wig is shitty, and that's all I'm gonna say about that. She has a she has a horrible wig. <laughs> my other complaint is something that uh my other complaint is something that I can't really I can't I can't really say without spoiling the movie. Um but if you want to skip ahead for one minute, I'll talk about it for one minute and that should be it. Three, two, one. Everything spoilers from here on out. Uh, I couldn't wait for Dr. Peterson to die, but I felt like her death wasn't as spectacular as it needed to be. I felt like it needed to be this really gruesome and horrible fucking death that would just haunt my nightmares and it was the blandest kill of them all is is kind of how I felt about it and that was dissatisfying to say the least and probably the other probably the other issue that I have and don't get me wrong, I like little callbacks from the original franchise and stuff, but I feel like that if they're going to keep going forward and establish a new continuity, which is what they should do and kind of right the wrongs of what they did before, uh, they they brought Hoffman back in the post credit scene and it just felt unnecessary to bring Hoffman back because Hoffman, when Hoffman took over as the killer that's when the whole franchise got crappy but i digress but ultimately the hype is real uh saw x is the best sequel in the franchise hands down uh it might not have the best traps and it might not have the the best gore but it's definitely the best movie since the original uh and, it, and it's all achieved because they put Jigsaw at the forefront. Put, putting John Kramer at the forefront and actually doing essentially a character study of him 
was the best move they could have done and it's a damn shame that it took them 10 movies to do this shit so i'm i'm very satisfied with it and i think fans overall seem to be very satisfied and i like this new direction that saw the saw franchise is going in so with all that being said saw x gets a four out of five and is grizzly grade guaranteed go see it it's great it'll be it'll be a good way to kick off your spooky season to go see this and then hell go and double double down and watch saw x and then go watch exorcist believer because that's about to hit theaters this week as well just make it a double feature just getting a getting a spooky spirit guys but definitely check out saw x and with that we bring another episode to an end thank you all so much for your continued support without y'all the show isn't possible if you like this episode please consider subscribing to the show wherever you listen to podcasts and don't forget to click the links in the description below to follow me on all social media platforms make sure y'all check out Carl Casey at White Bat Audio uh, he makes the badass synth music that plays throughout my episodes and also in the intros and the outros guy's a genius make some of the best synth wave out there more people need to be talking about them so make sure you go to youtube go to spotify or apple music wherever you listen to music and make sure you check out carl casey guy is a beast on the synthesizer uh as far as other things go uh i want to appreciate everybody for listening to our brews and reviews coverage of the george romero's dead trilogy uh, we still got one episode left, and that is probably not going to be coming next. It might be coming, it might be the, the episode after the next. I haven't made up my mind yet, but we have finished recording it, and that's going to be on, of course, Day of the Dead, as well as our ranking of the Romero trilogy. So make sure y'all stay tuned for that. Me and Jacob Gotham really enjoyed doing that for you guys and we hope y'all are enjoying it as well because we love those movies uh as far as what's next exorcist believer that's coming out next there's also a couple things coming out on streaming that i will hopefully get a chance to cover and i've also been working really hard on something special uh hopefully it's gonna work out so stay tuned for that if it hopefully it does work out if it doesn't then it'll be released later but i'm hoping that it's all going to work out so just stay tuned for that i can't get into any details but until next time remember i'm joe grizzly bitch <laughs>